Well, good morning and welcome to Sojourn. Happy Easter to you. My name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, it's just good to to be able to gather with you this morning to celebrate baptisms already and continue to celebrate uh, what we celebrate on Easter, the resurrection of Christ. So as we begin our time together this morning, let me just pray for us before we open up the scriptures. Father God, I thank you for this time that we can gather together as your church to celebrate something that I hope is exciting to us every day. But every year we set aside this time, this special day, to remember and reflect on and rejoice in the fact that Jesus is risen. And so, Lord, as we open up your word this morning, I pray that you would continue to draw our hearts closer to you, to know you more intimately, because we've been here this morning. And that's for any of us, no matter where we're at right now on our spiritual journey. And so we pray for you to do a work that only you can do through your word as we look at it, as we preach it this morning, that we would sit under it and that your spirit would use it to transform and change our hearts and our lives. And Lord, we pray that you'd get all the honor and glory for that. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, every week at Sojourn, we preach from the scriptures. And so if you need a Bible this morning, would you just raise your hand? We've got a, several people standing around. They love to give you a copy of the scriptures. Just keep your hand up until they find you. Uh, and if you don't actually own a copy of the Bible, we'd love to give that to you as a gift. So feel free just to take it home. Uh, you don't need to ask anybody. You can just take it with you. That's what they're there for. So we hope that you can enjoy uh, having that. On December 17th, 1903... Uh, two brothers from Ohio sought to defy gravity and kill Devil Hills, North Carolina. The Wright brothers went down there and successfully flew what was the first powered, sustained, manned flight. And this was front page news all over the world. I found an old copy of the London Herald newspaper with the headline, Flying Machine Takes to the Air. The first flight was big news, but now it's old news to us. I mean, I would guess that most of us in this room, maybe not everyone, but most of us in this room have flown at least once. Many of us have flown multiple times, some of us hundreds of times. Some of you fly every week for your job. So I would guess that if we open up the newspaper, and do we even have newspapers anymore, maybe go online to see the headline, it would say something, if it said something like, amazing, people fly from D.C. to L.A., we'd think, why is that newsworthy? Why is that on the front page of the news? But the crazy thing to me is it's still crazy that we can fly. I mean, you take a huge airplane that weighs some several hundred thousand pounds, put a bunch of people on it, and it can get up in the air and fly from one place to another. That's crazy. It doesn't matter how much you know about aerodynamics, it's still insane that that can actually take place. But because it's familiar to us, because we see it all the time, because we live around a major airport and planes are in the air constantly, it isn't much of a big deal to us anymore. Well, today is Easter, and today we do celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, and that is amazing news, that Jesus, who claimed to be fully God and fully man, died and came to life again. It is headline news with global significance, but for a lot of us, it's familiar, and we either believe it or we reject it as mythological and false and write it off. But either way, its familiarity oftentimes makes it not a really a big deal in our life. It's not really a big deal anymore to even hear that. So this morning, we're going to take some time, just spend some time looking at this news again. We're going to look at a text of Scripture where we see that this news that Jesus has risen is not just some news. It's good news. It's the best news that we could hear. 
And so whether you know and follow Christ or you don't know and follow Christ, it's important for all of us to sit and listen and and seek to understand this news and its implications for our life here and now. And so I hope and pray that God will use this time to bring about faith, to bring about worship in all of us this morning. Because as we look at this text, we'll see this is really what Easter is all about. So go ahead and grab your Bible, if you have one, and turn it to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you need to use the index in the front, go ahead and do that. That's what it's there for. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to read a few verses this morning. We're going to go through a section here. But just for now, just going to read these first five verses in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is the author and writer, and this is what he says. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Paul is writing to a group of people in a church in a city called Corinth, and these people are struggling in different ways. There's lots of cultural influences that they're hearing, and they're having to navigate through things related to ethics and faith and knowledge, and and it's just a constant bombardment of all these different things that they have to deal with. And so Paul's seeking to write to them to encourage them and challenge them. At the beginning of this letter, at the beginning of 1 Corinthians, Paul says that God has sent him to preach the gospel. And here in verse 1 of chapter 15, we see again that Paul says that he is called, that he is bringing and reminding them of the gospel. But when I say gospel, what comes to mind for you? What do you think of when you hear the word gospel? Is it a, is it a music genre? Maybe you think gospel, you think, okay, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the teachings of Jesus. What comes into your mind when you hear the word gospel? Well, at a base level, the word gospel means good news. And I think all of us like good news. All of us like to hear good news. All of us like to receive good news. If we woke up tomorrow and the world was completely at peace, we would think, man, that is good news. That is amazing news. But I think all of us would acknowledge the fact that we don't live in a world of peace, but that's something that we do desire, that we do want It's not hard for us to look around the world and realize that we live in a broken place. Whether it's through the news or just your own personal experience, life is messed up. There's lots of brokenness around us. In the church, what we attribute that to is what we call sin and its effects. And we can summarize the effects of sin as dysfunction and destruction, brokenness, death, and separation from God. But whether you call it sin or not, I think all of us want the effects of it to go away. No more sickness, no more death, no more dysfunction, no more destruction. And so we can do various things to try and make those things come about, to try and bring about that peace that we all long for, that we all want. We can strive for and push for tolerance and acceptance of all people. We can discuss local and global peace. We can work towards the end of wars and totalitarian governments. We can think that the increase or the decrease of government and its involvement in our lives, the role it plays, is the most important thing. We can strive and put our efforts towards better medicine or medical treatment. We can work towards having the reverse of aging and prolonging life. 
It could, the list goes on and on. It could be anything that we try and do to bring about what we think is the effects of sin and see those things turned around. But all of these things, these efforts, these methods are what we really could call little gospels. They're good news efforts to try and bring about this good news, this change of our world, that the brokenness would go away to bring restoration and change, to bring peace. But the reality is, at the end of the day, that none of those things are going to work. None of those things are going to last. And the reason that they're not going to work, the reason they're not going to bring lasting change and restoration is because the people involved in them, you and me, bear the problems in our minds and our hearts the reason that there's brokenness in the world in the first place. See, as Paul is writing here this morning, as we're looking at this text this morning, what he's doing is seeking to remind us, to refresh us in what the message of the gospel is. See, Paul doesn't say a gospel, not some bit of good news that might be good news to you and not to me. He says this is the good news, the gospel. So what is the gospel? Well, Paul seeks to unpack that for us. He reminds the Corinthians and us this morning that the gospel they received and the gospel they stand in is the gospel that saves. That's the first thing he tells us here is that the gospel saves. What does it save from? It saves from sin. It saves from its effects. See, the good news, the best news is that the gospel can bring the restoration we long for. It's the gospel alone that brings peace. It's the gospel alone that brings reconciliation between one another, as Evan mentioned earlier, but also between us and God. It's the gospel alone that does that. Now, for some of us, we might think religion, really? Religion isn't helpful. It's a part of the problem. It doesn't create peace. It destroys peace. But listen, Paul is not talking about religion. I'm not talking about religion. Paul is talking about the gospel. So what is the gospel? What is the content of the gospel? Well, he gives it to us in these next few verses. Let's look at them again, verses 3 and 4. Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, and here's the message, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Paul lays it out matter-of-factly, Christ died for our sins. Christ was raised on the third day. That's the content of the gospel. But see, I think because we live in the place we live, a lot of us have heard the content of the gospel. We are familiar with it, at least at a basic level, that we know, okay, Easter is about Jesus dying and Jesus being raised. So hearing that again, that he's died for sins, hearing that he rose again from the grave can become white noise to us. It can become white noise. It's there, it's in the background, we hear it, but it's almost unnoticeable to us. It blends in with everything else. It's just old news. But see, the gospel is anything but white noise. It's anything but old news. The gospel is a loud noise which enables and and makes it possible for dead men and women to have life. See, sin separates us from God. Every person is born with a heart that's set against God and set on themselves. I mean, you can just spend a little bit of time with a two-year-old and see that, right? They're not focused on seeking to care for other people. They want what they want in the moment. But a lot of us are just like two-year-olds. We're just a little more savvy in how we assert ourselves. See, we understand that, that we desire to live for ourselves. And at its core, sin is a rejection of God. It's a rejection of his good commands, Our first parents, Adam and Eve, that's what they did. They chose self over God, thinking they could be like God. 
Say, I don't want to be under God. I don't want to follow him. I want to be like him. Then you and I can now do the very same thing. Sin is not so much about doing wrong things, though our wrong actions flow from our jacked up and sin-tainted hearts. Sin is about creating and worshiping something else besides God. Worship is giving our adoration, giving our praise, giving value and honor and glory to something else. And it, so that means it can be anything. It can be ourselves. It can be relationships, people in our lives. It can be the pursuit of pleasure. Anything that replaces God, anything that goes above him, anything that our hearts long for. Scripture makes it clear. And experience and history support the truth that every last person is completely affected by sin. But see, God is holy. He's perfect. He's pure. He's majestic. God is just. And so he can't allow the disobedience, the rejection of his lordship of trying to assert ourselves to be like God, to take control of our lives. He can't allow that to go on. It has to be dealt with. It has to be dealt with. Sin cannot remain. See, the effects of sin are everywhere, and they're catastrophic. But the ultimate effect of and consequence of our sin is death, both physical death and spiritual death. All of us will physically die. Our bodies begin to waste away. All of us have experienced spiritual death, where we are separated from God because of our sin. We're unable and unwilling to turn to God, to want to be in relationship with him, to want to be restored with him. See, death is universal, but it isn't normal. It isn't the way that things are supposed to be, but sin has made our world not normal. But it's easy for us just to say, well, sin out there, sin out there has made it that way. But it's not about sin out there, it's about sin in here, in my heart, in your heart. See, we have to truly understand this part before we can understand why the gospel is not only good news, but the best news. Because Paul says Jesus died for our sins. We all deserve death for our sin. That's the consequence, that's the wages of our sin. But Christ, who lived a perfect life of obedience, willingly went to a cross to lay down his life in the place of sinners like you and like me. So when we say that Christ died for our sin, this is no small thing. It's not insignificant news, it's eternally, cosmically, and personally significant. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, Paul writes there, For our sake, he, meaning God, made him, meaning Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God poured out our sin on Jesus and then his wrath on Christ, and in exchange for that, by faith, we can receive his righteousness. An exchange takes place. For all of our sin, everything that separates us from God, Jesus took on his back on the cross. See, this is part of the gospel, and it is glorious, but it's not all of the gospel. It's not all of the gospel. Paul says after this that Jesus, after Jesus died, he was buried. I think, well, why is that really important? It's so that we understand that Jesus was really and truly dead. There was no life in his body it's important because of what Paul says next, because Christ was raised. See, it's not some magic trick. It's not, he's not talking spiritually. Jesus is physically dead and physically raised from the grave. 
It's not some cool or neat supernatural thing that happens that we can take or leave. Paul is making a declarative and definitive statement. See, on the cross, Jesus paid for the the penalty of our sin. But at the empty tomb, Jesus validates his work on the cross. It overcomes the effects of sin. The empty tomb declares that Jesus has defeated death. And in defeating death, he brings new life to all who believe. To all who believe. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 20, Paul says some amazing things about Christ and what he has done for us. He says this, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. This domain of darkness, this broken world, he's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's possible because Jesus went to the cross. And then Paul goes on to say this, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, all things, not just some things, not just most things, all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. See, Jesus died and was raised. That alone is what makes restoration and reconciliation of all things possible, both his death and his resurrection. That is good news. It's the best news. See, Paul says all this happened in accordance with the Scripture. So, we have to understand that this has been God's plan since the beginning to redeem humanity always. That's what the Bible is about. As sin entered into the world through Adam and Eve, all of us have inherited that. But God, since the beginning, when sin entered into the world, has been pursuing his people. He's been coming after them, seeking to redeem them, to bring them back to himself, to cleanse them from their sin, to adopt them into his family, to restore all that has been broken. And that happens because Christ died for our sins and was buried. Christ rose and he was seen. See, we can hear things about the resurrection sometimes and think, well, that's just made up. It's just mythological. It's just someone's imagination. But notice what Paul says here. It's not some isolated event. He appeared to Cephas, who's another name for the apostle Peter. He appeared to the disciples who Jesus walked closely with. He appeared to more than 500 people, Paul says. And then he says, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Most of whom are still alive at the time of this writing, meaning that people could go ask them, wait, you saw Jesus? You saw the risen Christ? He appeared to James, his brother, and he appeared to all the apostles. But I don't think Paul is so much trying to prove the death and resurrection of Christ. I think he's reporting on it. He's just declaring it to be true, proclaiming the good news that is the best news for all of the world. See, where sin remains, death and destruction rule. But the death and resurrection of Jesus proclaims that Jesus is Lord over life and death. Christ died for our sins. This is not just forgiveness of past sins. It's deliverance of and freedom from sinfulness. Christ rose again from the grave, not just for his benefit, but it's for you and for me. As one pastor puts it, By raising Christ from the dead, God set in motion the final overthrow of death itself. The ultimate effect of sin in this world is physical and spiritual death, but by Christ being raised from the dead, he is overthrowing death. See, Sojourn, the global headline is this, the death of death. 
Jesus is risen and Jesus saves. It's good news. It's the best news that there's a remedy to the brokenness of this world, both personally and cosmically. There's a remedy for that, and his name is Jesus. He died, and he was raised and is alive forevermore. But listen, I don't want us this morning to think that the gospel, that this good news is just about a list of facts. It's not a list of facts. It's a message of grace to us this morning, that holy God acted decisively to save humanity and to restore the brokenness of this world. It's a message of grace to us this morning. But it's not just some truth that kind of sits out here, some ethereal thing to believe that's disconnected from the reality of our own lives. This is personal in nature. Let's read on in verses 8 through 9 and see what Paul has to say. He's talked about what Christ has done. He's talked about the content of the gospel. He's talked about the fact that he's appeared to so many people. And then in verses 8 and 9, he says this, Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. What Paul says here is hugely significant. He brings his own story to the forefront, gives us personal testimony to the resurrecting work of Jesus. Paul says he is one untimely born. What he's communicating there, what he's trying to say is he was like a stillborn child, dead and helpless. He had no life in him at all. He could do nothing for himself in relation to God. He says he's the least of the apostles. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul says that he is the chief of sinners. Why? Because he persecuted God's church. He, he thought that he was doing God a favor by throwing Christians into jail and seeing them beaten and killed, getting rid of these people. That's what Paul's life was all about. But Jesus came to him. Jesus appeared to him. As Paul was traveling to go persecute more followers of Christ, Christ himself came to him and he called Paul out of darkness into light. Jesus called a dead man to life. He gave Paul a new heart, removing his heart of stone that was set against God and giving him a heart of flesh that could truly know him. And then God called Paul to preach this message of redeeming grace to the world. See, once an enemy, now Paul's a friend. Once a destroyer of God's church, now he's an ambassador of reconciliation. Was it because Paul deserved it? Because he was an A player, an A student, because he knew everything, because he was especially gifted? Is that why Jesus called him to himself? No, Paul tells us in verse 10, the beginning of verse 10, he says this, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. It was because of grace, unmerited and undeserved favor and love from God. He could do nothing. He had nothing to bring to God, yet Jesus sought him out, the risen king, and called him to himself. See, Paul was insufficient on his own, but God's grace is sufficient because Jesus is alive. In verses 1 through 5, we get the content of the gospel the good news that Jesus died for sin and was buried, that Jesus rose and was seen. But in verses 8 through 10, we see the reach and the effect of the gospel. See, what we need to hear this morning is that the good news that is the best news is for anyone and everyone. It's for anyone and everyone. 
Listen to me, there is no one too far gone. There's no one too far gone from God's redeeming and transforming grace. I don't know everybody in this room, and I don't know the reality of your life. I don't know what's happened in the past. I don't know what's going on right now. But if you have the thought in your head that God's grace is not sufficient for you, that you're not good enough, that you've done too much to mess things up between you and God, there's nothing that can do that. God's grace is sufficient to overcome those things. You heard testimonies this morning from two, brothers, from two people, from a brother and a sister, whose story was, I thought I had to do something to get close to God, and I didn't think I was good enough. But then realizing that's not the point, Jesus comes to us to rescue us. But at the very same time, I don't want us to think that any of us are too righteous for God's saving and redeeming and transforming grace. There's no one that sits in this room this morning, no one in all the earth that has it all together enough, that could be good enough because all of us have sin in our hearts. All of us have something that separates us from God. All of us need God's grace. And Paul's an example of both of these things. At one time, Paul thought that he had it all together. All his T's were crossed. All his I's dotted. He thought he was doing God a favor by checking off the boxes of religion. He thought he could be good enough for God. But at the very same time, God showed them that he had a lot of gross sin and hatred and evil in his heart. And so he calls himself the worst of sinners. He's an example of both of these things. But what we see in and through Paul is that God does not save or accept you based on your performance, and God does not reject you based on your performance. God saves on the basis of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus alone. See, through Christ and Christ alone comes the defeat of sin and the death of death. The beauty of the gospel And what we celebrate today on Easter is that the one who is alive is the one who gives life to those of us who are dead. The resurrecting work of Jesus is that because Jesus died and is raised, he now raises dead men and women like you and me from the grave of our sin to make us new. See, Easter is not so much about looking back. It's about celebrating that Christ is raised, that Jesus is alive, and he is at work here and now. Paul says this is of first importance. There is nothing more significant, nothing more important, no better news in all the world or in all of time. Our God has come to rescue us. Our God has brought and is bringing restoration to a broken world. And so this good news that's the best news, it demands a response. And so this morning, I want to call us to respond in two ways, to respond in faith and to respond in worship. All of us, it doesn't matter where we're at, whether we know Christ or don't know Christ, to respond in faith and to respond in worship. Our baptistry is done draining. (laughs) The gospel is a message to be delivered. It's a message to be proclaimed. That's why this church is here. Sojourn Church exists to proclaim the gospel, to share the message of the gospel But that also means that the gospel is a message to be received. But receiving is not just about hearing it. It's about taking it into our heart and believing it, having faith that God forgives you and saves you on the basis of what Jesus has done for you, that he died, that he rose again to give new life. If I'm sick and I go to the doctor and the doctor checks me out and figures out what's going on and prescribes a particular medicine to help me get well, And I take that script and I 
go to the pharmacy and I go pick up the medicine that's been prescribed. Then I take it home and I even get it out at the time of day that I'm supposed to take it. I even put it in my mouth. But if I don't actually swallow it, if I don't actually ingest it, it's not going to help me. But listen, the gospel is not medicine for a sick person. It's life for a dead person. So have you ingested it? Is it just facts and information that's out here, or have you taken it into your heart, believing it to be true? And listen, belief in the gospel is not about a past experience. It's not about something you did when you were five, or you did when you were 10, or when you were 20, or when you were 30 years old. It's about present belief. Do you believe today, right now, in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? Do you believe that the risen Jesus alone is the remedy to the brokenness in your life and the brokenness in this world? See, Paul reminds us as he shares his own story is that it's nothing that we do but all of what Christ has done for us. Jesus lived a perfect life. Jesus died a sacrificial death. And Jesus rose again to bring new life. See, I need to hear that this morning. I need to hear that this morning. I've known and followed Jesus for a long time, but there are days when I doubt I don't want you to think that, oh, well, I'm a pastor, and so therefore every morning I wake up singing the praises of my God, always believing that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. There's lots of mornings I wake up and think, why in the world do we have to get up right now? Oh, the day ahead of me, and I, and I doubt God's goodness. I doubt that he's for me. Sometimes I maybe even doubt that he even exists, and I can stray. There are days I decide to pursue something else instead of God where I think that I need to do something to earn God's love. There are days when I think I'm good enough, that it was good for God to pick me, that I could do something to earn God's favor because I'm a good person doing so many good things. But there are also days when I think I'm the worst of sinners, that God is going to disown me or reject me now that he really knows who I am. But listen, all that's a lie. Because it is by the grace of God that I am what I am. Nothing more and nothing less. And that should be amazingly freeing news to me, amazingly freeing news to you. Not just one time, not just occasionally, but every day. It's amazing news that needs to be on the headline of my life. Every morning, every night, every moment of every day that death has been defeated, sin is overcome, and Jesus is alive. I need to be reminded of that. I need to be refreshed in that. I need my brothers and sisters to encourage me in that. So what about you? Are you believing that today? Today. Will you believe it tomorrow? Maybe this morning you know that you've never truly believed this. It's always been facts. It's always been information that's out here, but you've never truly ingested this good news, even if you've heard it before. But as a line from a rap song that I love says, Maybe you just got to get tired of being sick and tired. Maybe you got to hear that he died for you one more time to come alive. Maybe you just need to hear it one more time. Listen to me this morning. Jesus died for your sins. Jesus rose again to give you new life. And Jesus is making all things new. So come alive this morning. Come alive this morning. The resurrecting power of Jesus says to you this morning, come alive. If you remain dead in your sin this morning, hear the voice of the risen Savior that says to you by name, 
come alive. Come alive. See, if we turn to Christ in faith, believing that he died for our sin and was raised, then as an old confessional statement says, his death is our death. His life is our life, and his resurrection will one day be our resurrection. So come alive. Come alive this morning. See, this morning I hope and pray that all of us, whether we already know Christ and believe or don't, will respond in faith, whether for the first time or the thousandth time. Because every day we need to believe the gospel anew, to wake up and be reminded that Jesus is still alive, and to trust and follow him. And as we respond in faith, that that will lead us to respond in worship. When we rehearse the good news that is the best news, we cannot help but overflow in worship. We were dead in our sin, but God saved us. We were dead in our sin, but God made us alive. How? Because Jesus is alive. Why? Because God is loving. Because he so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for us and be raised again to give new life. That's who God is. He's in the business of redeeming and repairing a broken world and a broken people. And that should stir up our emotions this morning, Sojourn. It's good to have emotions, our hearts stirred for that, to overwhelm us this morning. That should cause us to say yes and amen. Because our God saves. Because death has been defeated, sin is overcome, and we praise God for that. See, when Paul recounts God's amazing grace in his own life, he responds in worship in 1 Timothy. He says, to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So today, in response to God's amazing grace towards us in and through Christ, we're going to respond in worship. We've already been worshiping together through song. We've worshiped as we've seen a brother and sister be baptized this morning. We're going to continue to worship by taking communion. We're going to continue to worship by singing songs of praise about God and to God. But listen, that worship does not stop when the benediction is given today and you walk out of these doors. Today is Easter, but tomorrow Jesus is still alive. Jesus is still alive. So may that good news that is the best news continue to affect your heart, to affect your mind, to bring you to a place of thanksgiving and praise this week, even as you go about your normal day-to-day activities. Listen, life is hard. It's difficult. There's going to be trials and suffering. Some of you are in the midst of that right now, but remember that Jesus is risen. And that one day he will come again to finish the resurrecting work he has begun begun and declare, behold, I am making all things new. And to that we say, amen, come Lord Jesus. We're going to move into a time of communion now where we come forward to remember what Christ has done. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread and he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took a cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. At Sojourn, we come forward every week to do this, because every week we want to proclaim the Lord's death and his resurrection until he comes again. And so we have to understand that this is a symbol of a future reality, that when Jesus returns, it will not just have small pieces of bread and a small cup to drink, but we will sit at the banquet table of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and have a glorious feast with the risen King. So let's rejoice this morning as we come forward, giving thanks to our God that good news, that the best news has come, that Jesus died for you and me and Jesus is risen now 
and forever. And if you're not a follower of Christ, we would just ask you this morning not to come forward to take communion. And the reason for that is because this isn't something that saves you. It isn't something that enables you to be in a right relationship with God. This is a declaration that we are dependent on Jesus to be reconciled to God. It's an act of worship for us. And so if you don't yet believe that, if you haven't yet ingested the grace of God that comes in and through the gospel, we don't want you to take communion this morning. We want you to take Christ today. So you can stay in your seat and you can pray. You can ask God to save you. You can ask God to help you understand what it looks like to know him. But I also want to encourage you to do something else this morning. I want to encourage you, if you, if you want to, just to head out those back doors that you came in this morning. There's going to be a couple of people out there and they'd love to talk with you. They'd love to pray with you. If you just want to talk, if you have questions, if you do just want to pray, if you want to start a relationship with Christ today, right now, you can respond. Just go out there. They'd love to help you with that. But those of you that will come forward, you can come forward when you're ready. We'll also have some stations in the back of the room so you can kind of split the room and come forward or go back whenever you're ready. Tear off a piece of bread and take a small cup to drink. And what Jesus has done for you, specifically for you, personally for you, will be spoken over you this morning. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful seems like such an inadequate word. Father, we, but we are grateful. I, I don't know what else to say, but that we're grateful, we're thankful, we're overwhelmed by the fact that we can stand here today, that we can sit here today and celebrate the fact that Christ is risen. It's grace to us to even be here today. And so, Lord, I pray that no matter where we're at this morning, that we would remember the truth, that we would reflect on, that we would have faith, whether for the first time or the thousandth time this morning, believing that Jesus died for our sins on the cross and that you raised him from the dead, that we might have life now and forever. Lord, would you transform us? Would you change us? Would you encourage us this morning? Would you give us faith to believe? Help us, Lord. Because so often we can just say, Lord, I, I want to believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, would you help us this morning to believe and to trust in you? And Lord, may we respond now in worship, together as a family. And may we go out from this place worshiping. Lord, would you change us because we've been here today? We love you. We praise your name that you've come to us to rescue us. And we pray all this in Christ, the risen King's name. Amen.